Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. successful stop. Well, I hope so too. And uh, that is how we are going to start episode 135 of the uh, Foreign Affair podcast. I am Edward Green, joined as always by my colleague Wes Bradshaw. And unfortunately, before we get into anything else tonight, um, of course, this is a soccer podcast and we would be remiss if before even putting ourselves over, putting anyone else over, uh, we would be remiss if we did not start right away with the the tragedy that befell Brazil earlier this week. Uh, the Brazilian soccer team and one of their club teams, uh, Chapecoense, Chapecoense, I believe is how you pronounce it. Chapecoense. Uh, as, as my mom has uh, tried to. If, if we did Portuguese, it would be uh, Chapecoense. Yeah, that's uh, that's close. Chapecoense. Is I believe how my mom and I apologize if I butchered that mom, um, but unfortunately their team uh, was in a plane ride uh, going to Colombia to play in the uh, Copa uh, Sudamericana, which for you uh, people more familiar with ter- tournaments in Europe is uh, basically their Europa League, and they were going to play in the final. And uh, unfortunately, their plane ran out of fuel uh, very close to their destination because of Colombia. Uh, the topography there, they were not able to land and crashed into the mountainside there. And uh, 71 of the 77 people aboard lost their life immediately. Another person, uh, one of the survivors, did die later at the hospital. Um, it, it is a gigantic tragedy. Um, this is this is a team that some some have compared to Leicester. Mm-hmm. If we're just going to keep comparing it to the continent, uh, this is a team that has been in the dredges of League Four for a very long time in Brazil, uh, and has started making a meteoric rise all the way up to the uh, Series A of Brazil, and uh, just this year again had made it to their 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 version of the Europa League final and uh, had a chance really to, to do something incredibly special. Uh, the, uh, the 
team uh, put on their uh, their Twitter feed, um, and then Bleacher Report um, UK retweeted the video of of after their their win that got them to the Copa Sudamerica final, um, the the lo- the locker room uh, celebration that took place, saying that let this be the last image of our Warriors, um, in somewhat of a fortuitous for one of them. Uh, Matias Soroli, the the son of club coach uh, Kairos Jr., uh, who was on the plane and passed away, uh, actually was supposed to have also been on that flight, uh, but was stuck in Sao Paulo uh, after he forgot his passport and was not allowed to actually board the flight. Um, so this is this is a a terrible tragedy. And West, you know, we you know we we know that England and and the rest of the continent. Are, are no stranger to tragedy, but this to, to be, that basically wipes out an entire soccer team, a soccer team that was on the verge of doing something fantastic. You know, twenty their stadium only holds twenty two thousand. They couldn't even play the semifinal there. They had to they had to take it down down the road to another to a bigger stadium, um, and just to have this happen is just heartbreaking for the for for them for their supporters and for the country and even the world at large i mean you say you save the team i mean this is more a whole club thing i mean this was like the club's infrastructure mm-hmm. um i think, I, think uh, <clears throat> I believe most of the youth staff was even on there because you know mm-hmm. hey you know this is this is the big trip you know for the big tournament and i mean not only that i mean this this is uh, you know not just not just so much players and maybe manager i mean this is the entire infrastructure of this club mm-hmm. and just i mean there's you know folks we we love to make light and joke of a lot of things on here and you know kind of our, our kind of unspoken motto is you know i mean life why take it so seriously mm-hmm. but <clears throat> i mean at this there's i mean there's no joke in the world i could make and ever feel good about myself um you know we saw uh and we'll talk about the match a little later, but of course Liverpool playing in the uh, in the whatever we call it, Capital One Cup, whatever we're calling mm-hmm. it now. Um, you know, Liverpool with a contingent of Brazilians on their team, um, mm-hmm. they wore the black armbands in remembrance, um, and, and Lucas Leiva, especially uh, one of those Brazilians. You know, after the match, he he was there there was thought that he wouldn't even be able to play the match because of how distraught he was, but he played played well. And after the match, he broke down right there on the field, you know, and Jurgen Klopp, um, you know, was seen embracing him after the match. But, you know, with so many Brazilians spread out around the world playing, mm-hmm. and, and also from something I heard about <clears throat> about this, this team was that, uh, you know, it was a team of journeymen, basically, yeah. who had suddenly come here. So, so it wasn't like it was all-encompassed as this – this club had brought up all these guys you know these these are guys who had played multiple other places so you know as as roger bennett or as roger bennett said you know everyone felt this because it's like Mm. everyone knew somebody on that team it seemed like everyone had played with somebody on that team it seemed Mm. like so it's very far reaching as well and just uh, you know medellin in colombia obviously has its history but you know, like you said, it's a it's a mountainous region, and mm-hmm. you know, I, it it just sounds like someone may have misjudged, you know, what how much fuel was supposed to be in the plane to get there, 
I also heard uh, just to that real quick, um, and then I'll let you continue. Also, that there was also, they were also facing a very strong. I believe it would be considered a, a headwind. Yeah, yeah, and that uh, yeah, and that changes. You know, that that means you're having to expend more fuel going right. forward. So. Not much you could do. And like you said, you know, around Medellin, so many mountains, there's not, you know, it's not like you can just find another airport somewhere a little closer. There's right. just not, it's not much around there. So, uh, <laughs> absolutely tragic. Um, you know, and of course, our thoughts and prayers here on the Foreign Affairs Podcast, the Omni Sports Show, everything in between that we are. Uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to, you know, uh, the club, the supporters, the families of those players, and, of course, the colleagues of those players who are, you know, obviously feeling the effects of that tragedy. Mm-hmm. And not, not only them, you, you said all the infrastructure mm-hmm. as well, uh, people from Fox Sports who are covering this team, kind of like the, their embedded journalists who are going to cover this match mm-hmm. were also on the flight. They also lost their lives. Um, so this is, this is a tragedy felt on multiple fronts. Um, Atletico Nacional, the, uh, the team that uh, they were actually supposed to play mm-hmm. in the uh, Copa Sudamerica final, uh, has said that they would ask uh, Conmebol to actually crown the team uh, champions. Uh, saying Gar- Gilberto Garcia saying, it's something we want, it's an initiative of ours, and I know the world of football too. We hope that Conmebol makes this happen. We also want to see all our care and thoughts to the families. Um, another person noted that uh, Brazil's top flight have requested that the team are immune from relegation for the next three seasons. They also suggested that clubs should loan players to the stricken club free of charge for the 2017 campaign. Um, so this is, you know, Neymar, you know, posted about this. Obviously, another Brazilian. Uh, we know the Brazilians on Chelsea, Oscar and Willian. Um, and, and just many more throughout the country and around the world as well. You know, Polino over in uh, China. You know, David Luiz so is... at Chelsea, of course. You know, we yes, mentioned of course. I forgot Firmino, that. Firmino, yeah. Coutinho, you know. Tiago just... Silva, PSG. Yeah. I mean, there's so many. That's the thing, you know, Brazil's such a feeder system. There's so many players around the world from from Brazil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's, 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 very, it's a very far-reaching tragedy um and you know all those things you were just talking about you know talking about you know no relegation for three years you know things that have been proposed in the absolute cutthroat world that is professional football mm-hmm. um it's it's really it's really good to see that you know in in a in a terrible time like this you know there are people who think about more than just their bottom line at times yeah so so that is, it's great to see the football world really coming together, as you said, and, and hopefully providing some sense um, in this just senseless tragedy. Um, so we, we will have to press on as, as the Foreign Affair podcast must. We do have other things to talk about. Um, and trust me, they're not all going to be rosy and cheery as we move on from here. Uh, there is there's one story in our news note that is... Uh, it is not great, um, but we will be talking plenty of football as well. And, of course, this podcast is presented to you, as always, by NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com. We never stop, as well as I am next USA, and uh, we are the Foreign Affair Podcast, presented to you by the company. So, Wes, let us dive in now. No other transition needed. And, of we course, back as, to the as, you know, as everyone says, you know, the football is our pleasure. That, yes. is our, that is our distraction from life. It mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, it, it either uh, makes you rip your hair out or, you know, have the biggest smile on your face. So, hey, let's talk some football. 
listen to us for two hours and and realize that we are terrible 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 commentators but at least that should make you laugh if anything all right uh the premier league that you know more than the commentators Mm, sometimes um we now move into the premier league and we're going to go very quickly especially through our first five today um because we also do have the english football league cup to talk about as well as again those news and notes so first yeah uh the first five very quick arsenal defeats bournemouth 3-1 leicester city gets a pair of penalties to draw middlesbrough 2-2 hull city gets one back late against west brom to make it 1-1 uh watford gets blanked by stoke at home stoke with the win 1-0 there and then southampton uh beats everton 1-0 southampton starting to get on just a little bit of a run which we'll get into more as well with the League Cup. Our first match of five in focus is, uh, once again, West plucky Manchester City. That that little outfit by little-known coach Pep Guardiola. Well, we said it last week, you know, that last time uh, Turf Moor Burnley was uh, was up in the Premier League, Manchester City went there and took a famous loss on that night. Uh, this time it may have been the same after Dean Marnay scored an early goal for Burnley, but then Sergio Aguero, the Kuhn, struck on both sides of halftime uh, to give City a 2-1 win. They see it out again. And um, West, for the second straight week, City picks up a come-from-behind win. Last time it was Yaya Torre. This time is, of course, the Kuhn, Sergio Aguero. And West, are, are we starting to see maybe a little bit more steel, especially if someone like Nicholas Otamende, who was actually named Man of the Match, uh, one site, uh, the one on footmob.com, gave him a 9.9 rating for the match, uh, having an, a one assist, an 89% uh, pass success rate, um, had two accurate long balls, uh, won 15 duels, had 19 clearances, and won 12 aerials. Um, fantastic day for a, a guy that has not always been great uh, for Manchester City, but all of a sudden, Wes, if uh, Otamendi, who is in there instead of John Stones, if he can be sort of a rock in that back line, because we know Man City can score goals, but now if they can add a little bit of steel, now that they may have lost Vincent Company again for a very long time, is is the back line enough for City to once again make a charge and, and retake the Premier League lead? Well, I'll tell you, City's biggest problem um, as far as retaking the lead in the Premier League their biggest problem is still uh, some some uh, fixture congestion. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, they do still have Europe. Uh, the FA Cup's coming up. They're out of the uh, League Cup. Only the true mm-hmm. only the true elite are left in the League Cup. Um, yeah. Hull, yeah, Hull United. Um, <clears throat> they're definitely looking better. They're definitely looking better. Um, I just, I think for everyone at the top this year, you know, this year is so just 180 from the way last year was, where mm-hmm. all the all these teams were, you know, middling and, you know, anyone could, anyone could win on any day. No, this year it's become more that top group of teams are taking mm-hmm. care of business a lot more than last year. Oh, yeah. Um, 
there it it just doesn't look like at this point of course we've still got a good amount of the season left don't get me wrong by Mm -hmm. any means but at this point you know you've you've got to start worrying if you're united um tottenham could be starting to get a little a little sweat on the forehead right now going damn where are we going to make up these points? <laughs> as far as trying to win the league, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. As far as trying to win the league, damn, where, where are we going to make these points up at? Because, you know, that that top, those top four teams just don't look like they're really feeling like losing any as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so City is going to be in a fight this year. Um, I believe with Chelsea, with Liverpool, with Arsenal, um, they're, they're going to be in a fight with those teams. And... It's going to come down to, once again, that fixture congestion. And another thing with City is, you know, Aguero, Aguero is so important to them. You know, mm-hmm. somehow Serge Aguero is like one of the most underrated, like, elite players in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He I just, saw that. He's, we don't talk about him nearly enough. No, I mean, for as good as he actually is, no, we don't talk about him enough. But that said, you know, he's as good as he is. He's not overly flashy. Mm-hmm. He just finds his, he finds good space. He scores his goals. And he, does and he doesn't things. usually do bullshit like Diego Costa. Exactly. And he, you know, he, he stays out of the news. You know, all he's ever done is shut down every rumor about going to Barcelona. About going to Real Madrid, he stated, he said, I'm going to play out my contract and then I'm going home. And because of that, you know, the media doesn't have a lot to talk about. So they're just like, oh, yeah, I mean, he's great. We know he's great, but I don't have a lot to talk about. But, um, you know, for City, it's going to be about keeping him healthy. I think City are learning to live without Bonson Company, mm-hmm. who, you know, as much as we love Company ourselves, um, you, you just, you know, it's, it was kind of like Liverpool with Daniel Sturridge. We know mm-hmm. he's great. When he plays, he's great. But but no one can guarantee he's ever going to be healthy when you need him. Um, so much like Liverpool had to learn to cope without Sturridge, I think City are learning how to cope and how to play without company. And it's helped that, you know, a guy like Adam Mendes come in and, you know, Obviously had a good game. Burnley, we're not exactly talking an Alex Ferguson Man United attack here Mm -hmm. uh, from Burnley. But, um, you know, for him to come out and have the big game, that that can do nothing but help his confidence level, help him going forward. Um, And and for whatever, as much maligned as City are, don't forget, they paid a lot of money for those defensive players. So there Mm -hmm. must be some talent somewhere. Yes. So maybe it's just that they're finally, it's finally clicking for them. It's clicking in the system. Um, and, and you know what? Right now, City are playing some, City are starting to play some good football. As, as long as you can just keep them out of those big spotlight games. Yeah. Ooh. Well, they're, they're going to have a big spotlight game coming up here. We'll talk about the upcoming fixture list in just a little bit. Uh, let's head to our next match now. Which is, uh, I say, Wes, early contender for match of the season. And that is Swansea 5, Crystal Palace 4. 
Uh, Wilfred Zaha and Gifu Sigurdsson traded goals in the first half. Uh, Leroy Furr had his boots on, and he got a brace within three minutes just before the 70th minute mark. And you think, okay, Swansea up 3-1. They got Bob Bradley's first win in the bag. And then all of a sudden, James Tompkins, a Jack Cork own goal, and Christian Benteke. Oh, we knew he was going to be great for Palace. Palace in the lead, 4-3. And then the super sub, Fernando Rente, comes in in the 90th first minute, ties it, and in the 93rd minute, wins it. Absolutely enthralling scenes at the Liberty Stadium. Welsh pandemonium overflowing as as one man may have for the moment saved his job. Another may be on the brink of losing his. But Wes, I mean let's let's start with the positives here, I guess. For Swansea, it brings them out of last place in the in the table. And not only that, Bob Bradley, the first American coach now to win a Premier League match. Huge congratulations to him. But this was just a back-and-forth game. Not unlike the Toronto-Montreal Impact game, of course, from earlier tonight when we've been recording this that I'm sure everybody watched. Um, But just this. Swansea coming back and and really you know all of a sudden is this is this a game that can get them on track and maybe help them stay up? You've got to hope, you know. I mean, all these games, you know, winning a match like that, all it can do is up your confidence level. Um, you know, mm-hmm. for Swansea Hill scoring five goals, that's massive. Yeah. I mean, that's a great start. Shit, you know, we we finally scored some goals. Um, you know, and you're able to pip one late. Not only, you know, it wasn't one of these hold on for your life. It was, you know, we had to make plays and come get it, and we did. And we get two late goals off the bench. That's big time. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll see going forward what happens. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not willing to say, oh, this is the one that turns it around, because the fact is they still gave up four goals. Right. And blew a 3-1 lead. <laughs> and may have had some fortune that Lorente was able to come on and save. So, you know, let's not get too excited. The, the big excitement is that uh, for the first time ever, an American manager has won a Premier League match. Uh, this should open the floodgates, especially after Bruce Arena wins the World Cup. Um, he could be the next United manager after Josie burns out fully. Um, yeah. So, but in all seriousness, you know, we're hoping that Bob Bradley at least can get Swansea out of that relegation level. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, if nothing else, it does at least put it, it shines a positive light on the United States uh, in their uh, footballing, as a footballing nation. No, which uh, they they could really use right now, um, I, and I you know I really don't know you know Gilfrey Sigurdsson of course a great player for Swansea and Leroy Fur has been very good for them as well again having a brace, I I don't know that they have the absolute talent and I kind of worry about them in the back um, with their ability to to keep stopping people so I I don't know if they're going to be able to get into these like goal fests on a regular basis obviously again Palace much more on their level than sort of the top echelon of the table right now. Um, but if, if they can take care of business against the bottom t- half of the table, 
I think there's a chance for Swansea to stay up, um, and maybe and maybe Bob Bradley has put in a little bit of that American belief in them to never give up until the fat lady sings. So so hopefully that is the case for Swansea. Um, we will we'll talk about Palace um, later on once we hit news and notes. But uh, Wes, this is you know we said it last week the fewest points per match of any team in the t- in the English football league in the calendar year of 2016 and it only gets worse and i mean you look at you look at this team you you look at the players they have on it there's there's no reason this team should be this bad no, i mean no one was picking them to win the league don't get us wrong but <clears throat> i mean you know they they won i believe three straight at one point we're playing some really good football and then all of a sudden, you know, that Liverpool match has just thrown them completely into disarray. And I mean, you know, at the end of the day, there's there's no shame losing to Liverpool this year 4-2. You know, I mean, there's no shame in that whatsoever. But for whatever reason, since that match, they have gone head first into the shitter. I mean, they're just, they're bad right now. They're bad. And, you know, I've been a... I've been a staunch Pardue defender, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I just, I mean, I've seen Alan Pardue do great jobs in the past with, you know, not always the greatest of talent. You know, uh, the fact that he is a Crystal Palace legend has, I think, bought him a little time. But, my friend, I, I've, you know, apparently there are reports that uh, we'll get to it a little later that uh, they're meeting, you know, he's having meetings with the director now. The end could definitely be in sight if they don't start winning and winning something fast. They need points desperately. I mean, seriously, even, you know, giving up the late goal to Swansea, 4-4, I think at least they could have said, well, we got a point. Mm-hmm. But to just flat out lose? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're they're free-falling right now. They're in a spiral, and if they don't pull out of it quick, they're going to find themselves in a relegation battle, and it's going to be kind of – it's going to be one of those, like, how the hell is this team in a relegation battle? You know, we understand yes. Sunderland. We understand Hull. We understand that. But how the hell are Crystal Palace down here? Not good for Rebecca Lowe's Eagles. Um, just their, their last matches, uh, the loss to Swansea – Lost last week 2-1 to City. Lost before that 3-2 at Burnley. There was the Liverpool loss 4-2, as you said. Before that, they lost at Leicester 3-1. Lost at home to West Ham 1-0. Drew 1-1 to Everton. Their three wins this year have been Sunderland, Stoke, and Middlesbrough. And that was which are right now... Yeah, so that's that was a, a very bad Stoke... 15th place Middlesbrough and dead last Sunderland. Those are the wins this year. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess if you want to find a silver lining somewhere, you know, they're, they're losing close. I mean, you know, they're not getting run off the park, but at the end of the day, you know, you get as many points for losing one nil as you do for losing 10 nil. So, and of course they also, that, that Sunderland win, of course, that, that famous game where they were, 
They were down 2-0 on a Jermaine Defoe brace, mm-hmm. and Christian Benteke scored in the 94th minute to win it, coming yeah. back all the way down from 2-0 down to 3-2 up. So it, it, they, there is talent there. There is something there at Palace. But again, as you said, Wes, we will talk a little bit more about the, uh, the job there and in news and notes. Uh, Let's move on now to uh, Liverpool to Sunderland nil. Divock Origi with the uh, the winner there. James Milner with a penalty. But Wes, the biggest news coming out of Anfield on the day is of course the Phil Coutinho injury, which came in the 34th minute, coming off on a stretcher. <clears throat> ankle right ankle in a brace as he was coming off um reports have come out he will be out about five to six weeks and and you said last week and i apparently this was very prophetic of you um liverpool have depth they know how to withstand injuries and and we will be seeing that as uh, as they will be without their their talismanic creator of the season Coutinho and of course right when he comes back which should be about the Manchester United match in in mid January that's when they're targeting right now of course Sadio Mane will have left mm-hmm. and when that match comes so and it will be Christian Pulisic will be starting yes oh, 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 oh excuse me. <laughs> Now, now he's become the optimist. Um, but th- but this is this is going to be an interesting time, of course. A win in the League Cup, which we'll get to later, um, and a win over Sunderland in this one. Um, but this is this is you know if, if I don't want to say that this is the worst person that could have gone down because I don't think it is. I think there's maybe one or two more maybe in that back line that that would have been even worse. But this, as far as the attack, I think is maybe the worst that could have happened. I think right now, of all things, Jordan Henderson might be the most, uh, <laughs> might be the biggest loss. And actually, as I'm, that, that is my match of the night that I'm watching right now. And I ch- literally, as we speak, Coutinho just picked up that injury. Um, oh, God, I'm, I'm having the feels all over again. It's so terrible. Um, first of all, on Coutinho, um, I think they're more targeting about five weeks. He has actually said that. And, you know, of course, players say things. Um, he's saying that he, he hopes to be back by the city match, which is New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. That would really be pushing it. <laughs> yeah. And and here we go. Here's the thing. I don't think Liverpool need to push it. Um, the one place Liverpool are extremely deep is in the attack. And we've seen it. Uh, our new savior has has arisen at Liverpool. We'll talk about that a little later when we talk about the uh, the League Cup match. Um, uh, <clears throat> you know, with uh, with Firmino, with Mane, with Wijnaldum, with Origi, um, with Lalana about to come back. You know, Liverpool Liverpool's attack should be fine. Now that said, of everyone to lose. Coutinho was kind of the one you didn't want to lose. <laughs> I mean, it's like, well, shit. It's like, it's like, you know, let's put Wes's theory to the test. Let's just take yeah. the best damn player. Damn it. There you go. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see going forward. Uh, of course, in this match, um, Divock Origi came in for him uh, and ended up scoring the winner. Mm-hmm. You know, now the thing is, without, without that front three of uh, the Coutinho – uh, Firmino Mane, that was such a dynamic front three right now that all of them could intertwine and change and do 
pretty much whatever. That's going to be the interesting thing because I think they're going to lose a little bit of the creativity up front. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm not too worried, especially with the run of matches we've got coming up. Of course, City will be the big one at the end of uh, December. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I think Liverpool, I do think this year they are finally kind of uh, in a position to be able to withstand um, some injuries if they have to. Uh, Sturridge, oh, Sturridge. You know, we had to mention that earlier about injury. Uh, Sturridge was a late scratch from the Sunderland match um, mm-hmm. with, with uh, I believe it was a hamstring or a hip. I, I cannot remember off the top of my head. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see when he comes back. But you know what I mean? Hey, you got a guy in Divock Origi who is a very highly rated, um, he's only 20, 21 years old at this point. And you know what? He's been looking for his opportunity. You know, and uh, last season when he was granted that opportunity, he did great up until picking up that late season injury uh, against Dortmund. Um, and, you know, he, he's come on and now he scored two in two games. So, you know, maybe this could be the coming out party for Dimakarici. Uh, but for Liverpool, it will be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to watch. Um, there was already talk of strengthening on the wing in January anyway because of Mane going off to the uh, African Cup of Nations. Mm-hmm. Um, the, sexy, the sexy choice, of course, is Pulisic. I don't see that happening in January. Right. Um, there's, a, there's a Dutch winger from, uh, from Moscow that has been pretty highly touted. We'll see. I mean, you know... As as uh, as I've said all off season, Ed and Klopp, we trust. There you go. And if really, really, if you look at this group that he's brought in this year, uh, there hasn't really been a shitter in the bunch. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, they're not all superstars, but you know, uh, even a guy like Radjar Klavan, he's he was brought in to do a job. And it wasn't to take over at center back. It was to fill in. He's done a good job. So, you know, Klopp's signings thus far have gotten the job done. So, uh, I I have nothing to be pessimistic about at the moment. I don't really know how to feel about that. Because, you know, as as a Red Sox Liverpool fan, you know, pessimism is kind of part of our DNA. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, as, as Klopp said, he, we played the most defensive team he's ever coached against this weekend, and uh, they parked the double-decker bus, and Liverpool found a way to get it done. So, uh, uh, come on, you Reds. Keep it going, boys. Oh, and, of course, miss, when, we get, I, when we get to the League Cup, you know, we'll talk about our new Lord and Savior. I, I miss a good Jose Mourinho bus. We'll get to that in a little bit. Of course, his former team uh, has been – they, they are. They uh, they played some good defense. Uh, even seeing their uh, their 600 minute uh, streak without allowing a goal that was broken on Saturday. Um, but Chelsea still find a way to win. Christian Eriksen's uh, 10th minute wonder strike uh, was erased by Pedro just before halftime, and then Victor Moses. Yes, that Victor Moses. Remember him. Yes, apparently, apparently Josie did. Uh, as as uh, Victor Moses finally back from his long journey in the wilderness on loan, um, he scores the winner uh, just after the uh, there was the restart. 
and then uh, Tottenham uh, put on some pressure late uh, against Chelsea. Chelsea did have to hang on for dear life at the end, uh, but they do get the win. Uh, Antonio Conte's men stay atop the table. The 3-4-3 is basically working to perfection at this point. Um, and, and West, there, there were heady times, though, for Chelsea in that match. Uh, Tottenham controlled about the first 35 and maybe the last 10 to 15. Um, but Chelsea did just enough. Um, the thing that they did say uh, in, in the post game, especially when Arlo White was uh, discussing with his uh, commentary, which I can't remember if it was uh, Lee Dixon or Graham Lasso. I believe it was, uh, I believe it was Lee Dixon. I believe it was, um, I feel like he was with Graham Lasso on Sunday. Maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. Right. He was, he's, um, he's actually co-hosting Men in Blazers this week. If you haven't heard it yet, he uh, he co-hosted with Dolo Raj. You, you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing that. You should be listening to our podcast, of course, and then you, go listen to Men in Blazers. You listen to them first. They pop out on Wednesdays. We pop out on Thursdays. It's all good. Oh, there you go. All right. Um, they 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 were saying that Tottenham may have provided a bit of a blueprint, especially. Early on, the the high press working to perfection. Uh, Thibaut Courtois looked confused in distribution uh, multiple times. Gary Cahill and Cesar Aspilicueta uh, were back, basically in line with the six yard box to try and take passes, and Courtois was not very happy about that. Um, but in the end, uh, Chelsea do prevail. Uh, they they may have though given up a bit of a blueprint on how they can be stopped um, in the league. So for Tottenham, uh, first loss though on the season for for Tottenham Hotspur as they go down, um, still missing uh, quite a few guys. A, a very makeshift lineup, uh, as I mentioned. Uh, you know, they, they, it was a makeshift lineup against Monaco in the back, and again here, Kevin Weimer uh, playing left back. For Danny Rose in the match, uh, with a center back pairing of Eric Dyer and Jan Vertonghen, so a lot, a lot still to go for uh, for Spurs as they're trying to get everybody back healthy and uh, and able. Ben Davis also hurt in that, uh, and could not start in place of Weimer. So very, very interesting times for both teams right now, Wes, as uh, as Chelsea stays top. Uh, for Tottenham, you know, they're really, really missing uh, Toby out of... They're really missing him at the back. Um, Dyer fills in admirably, but Dyer, mm-hmm. Dyer should be a little farther forward. That's yes. just where he's at his best. Um, and that out of Varel Vertonghen partnership was so good, especially last mm-hmm. season. Um... Top just haven't been sharp lately. I, I, I feel you and I talked about this recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the injury to Harry Kane, I, I think, kind of shined a light on Tottenham's lack of depth up front. Well, and I think there's been a lot of injuries to their up front this year. They, yeah. Harry Kane was out for close to a month. Uh, Deli Ali was close to out for a month. Uh, Eric Lamella has been out for over a month and is yeah. still out. Yeah. So I, I think I think the triumvirate, you know, if you could, because if you could start basically up top, yeah, Harry Kane up top, and then you have behind him Erickson, Lamella, and Ali, mm-hmm. and then you can still bring guys like Son and Jansen mm-hmm. off the bench. 
well then you have some depth but once once all these guys start dropping Wes, it's 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 Liverpool 2015 all over again and uh, and all this yeah exactly um, it's 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 basically like that it's it's all these guys are basically comprise the Daniel Sturridge motif for Spurs um, but this is I think that, and that's why I keep thinking it's not really a lack of depth it's a lack of current depth where I feel like they, they had enough depth to withstand maybe one maybe a second injury but at this point now it's just like well I guess we'll just go get our academy guys that's that's why Harry Winks Harry Winks is playing and playing pretty admirably. Are we, my dad. Are we the two Airways? Oh, so yes. Yes. Um, and then, like I said, just uh, you know, Deli Ali. I'm not going to say he's having a sophomore slump, but mm-hmm. he uh, he he has not quite been the dynamic playmaker of a year ago. What's happening? That's mm-hmm. that's injuries. And- you know what? I think though he also and and they said this a lot. He was very good in the match, especially when Tottenham were in control. Yeah. Um, he he was he was a lot of that high press, and he was. I I think he faded a little bit as the game went on. And I think I think in a lot of ways, I think Spurs in a way faded a lot as that game went on, and I think that's part. You know, due to having played at Monaco in the midweek, it was it, the question was especially in the first twenty minutes when Tottenham came out like a house of fire. God, how are they going to sustain this when most of these guys played the 90? How are they going to sustain this for 90 more minutes against Chelsea? And, and I think that's a little bit what came to bite him in the end as well. Um, good sign, Erickson getting a goal. Um, yes, Erickson first goal this has, season in the Premier League. Say that again? Uh, first goal for him in the Premier League this season. Erickson's another guy. He, he's, he just hasn't quite been the player he was a season ago. Of course, when you look mm-hmm. around him and you're not having Lamella and Ali <laughs> and you don't have Harry Kane to play through, uh, that happens. But that's a good sign for Tottenham. Hopefully he's going to start getting things going this season for him. That'll be a big step up for him. Uh, but, you know, I mean, for Tottenham, I still think a lot of it starts at the back. And when you're missing out of a rails, you're missing Danny Rose, uh, even Ben Davies can't play for you. I mean, you know, that's that's that hurts, especially when you're a team that's mm-hmm. so built on your defense. Um, mm-hmm. But that said, let's give a ton of credit to uh, the the suddenly resurgent uh, world-beating uh, Chelsea Blues. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, they're just they're just playing great football right now. Yeah, and that's another thing, you know. And I and I'll let you get back to it yeah. real quick. All of a sudden, losing two one at Chelsea. I know there's the whole thing about Tottenham having won there since like 1990, and I, I, yeah, I get that I that mean, is just, terrible. Okay. But just in a vacuum, Spurs losing to uh, to Chelsea two one. Yeah, it's the first loss of the season, but it's you know it's a lot of teams are going to go to this year to Stamford Bridge and lose 2-1. Liverpool's not going to be one of them, but oh, oh, but but a lot of teams. And that was also not this Chelsea team either. Oh, that's right. We, we got them still playing off 4-2-3-1. So. Exactly. We caught them at the right time. Um, you know, one thing for Spurs, though, let's, let's throw this out there, too. You know, maybe a loss wasn't the worst thing for Spurs to get because, you know, and we see this especially in, say, college basketball. When a team is, unde- is, quote, undefeated, they don't have a loss. Now, of course, it's different because basketball is completely win or lose. Um, right. But, you know, an undefeated record sometimes starts to kind of weigh on you. 
And mm-hmm. even if even subconsciously, you know, you might be playing, you know, it might be a one-one match in, in the 88th minute, and you're sitting there thinking, man, let me let me play this pass short instead of going for this, you know, home run pass because you know we we don't want to lose. Mm-hmm. We don't want to lose. So maybe you know, Carolina fans are notoriously they're they're the greatest fans ever for saying, oh no, you, you, we we needed to lose that game. It's good for us to lose. You know, Carolina basketball fans are like the most notorious people in the world for that. Um, but you know, thank maybe, you for reminding me to check the score of the game. Oh, basketball? Okay, whatever. What? Um, well, maybe they're losing. <laughs> They are actually. They are actually losing by eight to Indiana with five and a half to play. So it'll be a good loss if they need that loss. Um, yes. I didn't pick that without even thinking about that at all. Um, but you know, maybe for Spurs, you know, get that weight off their back. Of, oh, well, they're the, still the only unbeaten. All right. Well, now we're not. And now we need to go out and turn. Some, you know, we said last week, need to turn some of those draws into wins. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing right now holding them back. Yeah, you know, they have lost, but they're sitting in fifth because they're they're drawing way too much. I mean, six wins and six draws. You know, you want to be more two to one with your uh, wins mm-hmm. to draw ratio. Um, so, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was a bad day at the office for Spurs. I'll just say right now they just got beat by a better team. Mm-hmm. And yeah. pretty much, I mean uh, – other than Liverpool right now, and maybe Man City, you know Chelsea. You know, no one else can say they're a better team than Chelsea right now. So, no, absolutely not. And that is that is all credit right now to uh, Antonio Conte. And apparently, David Luiz can still play football to an to an extent. Well, I, I know we're going to preview it a little later, but um, we'll see this week because uh, you, you talk about uh, Tottenham giving the blueprint. Mm-hmm. Well, if there's anybody who can break down the blueprint and see what he can do, yeah. it's uh, it is uh, Pip. Pip Guardiola. Um, well, speaking of, of a man Pep Guardiola loves immensely, uh, Josie Mourinho sent to the stands <laughs> once again after kicking a water bottle and in a 1-1 draw to West Ham. Um, of course, it was another. This was a great fixture last year in the Premier League, and it proved to be another great one uh, this year, even with West Ham struggling a little bit, maybe not so much in the League Cup. Um, but uh, Diafrasako, who's back, he scores in the second minute, but he kind of got hurt again, so oops for West Ham, uh, was of course canceled by a Zlatan Ibrahimovic goal in the 21st minute, assisted by one Paul Pogba. He's amazing. He can't stop scoring now. Um, score two more today, which we'll get into, of course, a little bit later. Uh, but United do not get the three points they needed uh, against West Ham. And, you know, a lot of the things, you know, we, we've kind of said about Spurs this year, Wes, um, also can maybe be said about United, the way they're not turning draws into wins, really. And and I, I think for United, you know, you, you mentioned them early on. Um, actually have the exact same win-to-draw ratio as Spurs do right now. They just have one less of each. Um, this, this is a team that is, that is quickly losing a uh, glimpse of the top of the Premier League table. And, you know, I, I know I picked them. I think the top four is maybe still in late reach, but even now just about a third of the way through the season, I don't really know that United have a way back. Not not this year. Well, and just you know, kind of what I was saying earlier. The thing is, the way that top four right now yeah. is played. I mean, 
I find it, unless somebody goes in the can, I just find it difficult to see that Chelsea, Liverpool, City, and Arsenal are just going to fall off that much. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, of course, there's always there at Arsenal. Oh, of course. There's always there at Arsenal. But, um, but you know, United, I just think United lacks some quality. I mean, don't get me wrong, they have big names, obviously, but I just think just the way that team's put together, they lack a bit of quality. And, you know, it's been going around, you know, United are saying, oh, we're the unluckiest team in the league. Everybody's out to get us. Oh, God, oh, what was us? Well, you know, if you were really unlucky, they would be maybe six points back. You're not 11 Mm -hmm. points out of the top and just unlucky. At a certain point, you're just not that great. Mm-hmm. You're just not that good. Um, and I think that's more what it is with United. It's not just, oh, we didn't get this call and this went against us and everybody's out to get us. No. You're just not that great. Um, and, and staying in Europa does not help them. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. You know, if anyone needs out of Europa and maybe out of the League Cup at United, <laughs> you know, just a. Keep everybody right, even though apparently that's going to be the uh, bastion of Schweinsteiger. See what I did there? Ah, oh, the bastion. The bastion of Schweiny. Take a victory lap, bastion. And Mkhitaryan, apparently. But, you know, you well, and that's, that's what I was going to talk about. And um, and that, that was one thing I did kind of want to talk about, and we'll get to it as we transition from that match to the League Cup, we'll kind of tie them a little bit together since it was basically the exact same match, just a completely different result. Um, we would be remiss, though, if we didn't tell you your fixture list for this weekend. On Saturday, 7.30 a.m., it's Man City hosting Chelsea. This is going to be absolutely huge. 7.30 a.m. after we come back from Greensboro the night before. <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. Hey, if you just want to stay here and get up and watch the match, you know. Fine. We, we have a spare bed. So. All right. Uh, at 10 o'clock, you have the option of Crystal Palace, Southampton, Stoke, Burnley, Sunderland, Leicester, Tottenham versus Swansea, West Brom, and Watford. And then at 12.30, West Ham look to rebound against Arsenal. On Sunday, you get 8.30 a.m., Bournemouth versus Liverpool. And then at 11, Everton versus Manchester United. And on Monday night football, it's Middlesbrough versus Hull. Quick look at the table. Chelsea atop with 31. Liverpool and Man City at 30. Arsenal at 28. Tottenham at 24. Man United at 20 in sixth place. The bottom of your heart to the relegation zone. Crystal Palace right now with 11 points there in 17th. Hull also have 11th, but a much worse goal differential there in 18th. Swansea at 9 points are in 19th. Sunderland dead last with eight points in 20th. So, Wes, let us now transition and go right back to Old Trafford, where it was again United versus West Ham. This time, though, it's the English Football League Cup as uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Anthony Martial both had braces, Ibrahimovic striking in the 93rd minute. Ashley Fletcher getting a 35th minute goal, the once uh, Man United product uh, scoring against uh, Manchester United in the League Cup. Um, uh, the big story also, uh, Wayne Rooney, because of what he did in this match, he knows what he did. Uh, he will be suspended. 
Yes, he uh, he he argued with referee Mike Jones, Mike Jones, and uh, that ruled him. Thank you. I'm so glad you can pick up on that. And uh, he has been ruled out of uh, the trip to Everton, uh, where he could have broken Bobby Charlton's record uh, with his boyhood club. But nonetheless, uh, Enric Mctarian, man of the match performance, and we have to wonder, Wes. You know, as as someone said, uh, I believe it was uh, a tweet. They tweeted to somebody, Man, uh, Martial, uh, Mata, and Mctarian. You know, maybe if you put those as a front three with Zlatan up top, Pogba just kind of doing what he does. You know, you talk about quality. I, I mean, that's that that sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah, um, but you know, we have to. Yeah, they have to stick in. Uh, I can't remember homeboy's name at the moment. The one who dabs. Oh, oh, um, Jesse Lingard. Jesse Lingard. Well. <clears throat> And, you know, and then, of course, they turn around and, you know, well, you know, uh, Mkhitaryan got the start last week in Europa and was fantastic. <laughs> so then, of course, he got left out of the squad on the weekend uh, and then brought back for the League Cup. Um, Doesn't at some point Josie have to play him in the league? Well, you know, I, I guess... The I mean, I know it's I Josie, say, but... The one thing I'll say on it is... Um, you know, Josie, for as much grief as we give Josie Mourinho, the guy's really an elite manager. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he, maybe he had a damn good reason for not playing Mkhitaryan. You know, maybe maybe he was holding Mkhitaryan until, A, maybe he got a point across, or mm-hmm. B, maybe Mkhitaryan wasn't fully fit, or maybe he just didn't think he was ready for England. But you know what? I mean, now if, you know, he is playing in more, you know, if and if he is in form, you've got to play him in the league. Mm-hmm. So Mkhitaryan could be playing his way into the discussion now. Um, and if he does, I mean, that's definitely a nice piece. I mean, that's almost like a new winter signing for United if suddenly Mkhitaryan picks it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what happens, but... Uh, it could be some astute managing from the off my line, uh, Josie Mourinho. Yep, and uh, Pogba actually not even uh, in the eighteen uh, for this match. Um, but I mean, <clears throat> if you can if you can put the, that lineup together, uh, and then you can still bring in Marcus Rashford off the bench, as we mentioned, uh, Jesse Lingard as as much as he has a proclivity to dab like an idiot, uh, you can bring him off the bench as well. So you have some attacking options. Um, you, you can bring on Wayne Rooney if you absolutely need to, but. At, at this point, I just I, I don't think he he's a must start. I think there are much better options, and he's, and the hope is that maybe Josie now. Yeah, absolutely. And so he did get the start against West Ham here in the League Cup. Maybe that means uh, he will not be starting on the weekend at Everton. I can't imagine Josie won't start him against Everton, just because it's Everton. But but we'll see. You know, then that that might be an indication that maybe it's. It'll be a different sort of thing. Well, now, were you just, weren't uh, you just saying that um, he's suspended for Everton, right? God, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I just forgot that. Yeah, so Rooney, it doesn't even matter. Um, and, but, and then I think that's an even better reason to play Mctarian on the weekend. Totally. Than, uh, I, if, 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 if Mctarian doesn't start this weekend, 
Then, then uh, in the words of, of, of a famous man, Jose Gassas Planetodo. So uh, we, will, we will see how that goes on. Of course, there were other League Cup matches this week. Uh, the thriller in Kingston, Nilla. It was Hull 1, Newcastle 1, Hull advances 3-1 on penalties. Mohamed Diami thought he had won it for Newcastle in the 98th minute, but was immediately pegged back by the great Real Madrid's Robert Snodgrass of Hull. Uh, Snodgrass took the first penalty for Hull and put it through, as did uh, Michael Dawson and Tom Huddleston. Hull went 3-for-3. Newcastle could only master one penalty out of their four attempts. Hull moves on. Liverpool dispatches Leeds 2-0. And Southampton sends Arsenal to their first defeat in 20 matches as so classy, Jordi Classy, scored in the 13th minute. And then Ryan Bertrand beat Peter Chech coolly in the 38th. So your semifinalists are... Uh, Manchester United, Hull, Southampton, and Liverpool. And those are your matchups. On January 9th, it will be Hull traveling to Old Trafford to take on United and Liverpool heading to Southampton to take on the Saints of Southampton. So, Wes, um, big, big semifinals. And, of course, because they froze those ping-pong balls, we could very easily get a Liverpool-United final. Yeah, no, no way they did that on purpose, right? Um, no, 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 no. And, of course, let's talk about that Liverpool match. Um, you know, we had a, <laughs> Thursday struck last week. Thursday, of course, being Thanksgiving. Now, this wasn't a shot because, of course, you know, we, we had probably already talked about it, I believe, actually. But last Thursday, Ed, Steven Gerrard announces his official <laughs> retirement from football. Kind of like how Gareth Southgate just officially got a contract today for me. <laughs> exactly. You know, it was inevitable. We knew it was going to happen. But it does officially happen. And Ed, um, as, as, as one legend from Liverpool walks off into the sunset, so rises from the new sun the next Liverpool legend. That's right. <laughs> 17 years, 45 days. Ben Woodburn makes his Liverpool debut and scores. Oh, the hype train is coming. Now, is that his official Liverpool or is, is no, his first start? Official debut. No, because he came on as a uh, as a yeah. substitute. Of course, he played in the preseason and, and scored goals. Apparently, that's and he came team. on as a sub. Uh, didn't he come on as a sub uh, in the weekend? Oh, that he literally came on like for the last two minutes, I believe. Oh, okay. So uh, this was his scoring debut. We'll say that. Um, breaking Michael Owen's uh, record as Liverpool's youngest ever scorer by about by about a hundred days, so always nice to get that little Judas off of our uh, off of our record books. Um, <laughs> Woodburn, he's he's Welsh. Um, he Character. he has the option to actually play for England or Wales, uh, but he has come up through the Welsh system. Um, but actually was born in Chester, which is, uh, by all things, where Michael Owen was from. So Makes you know, sense. Be something into water. Well, well, no, that's not Merseyside at all, but um, right there on the yeah. Welsh border. Uh, <clears throat> you know, the young man coming in, the hype train was already big because, you know, I mean, hey, like I say, you know, in the preseason he scored two and I think assisted two, you know, and looked really good in the preseason. That was before he'd ever even turned 17. And then to come on and get the late goal. Now, as you know, Jurgen Klopp is doing 
everything in his power to try to play this down <laughs> with good reason. As Klopp said, I mean, even I should have scored, even I would have scored that goal. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, and I, I do somewhat say it tongue in cheek, you know, uh, comparing him to Gerard. Now, there are those out there who are, which is the dumbest thing ever. Um, hey, he might go on to be a Liverpool legend. Uh, that said, the, the now third youngest scorer in Liverpool history was Jordan Rossiter who we just sold mm-hmm. to Rangers in the offseason. So, you know, he, he was he was the last uh, next big thing, you know, that came through. Um, but for Liverpool, uh, uh, you know, a good win over a really, really tough Leeds. Leeds played really well. Um, Klopp made eight changes from the weekend, and it almost came back to bite him in the butt because Leeds actually had the – they had the two best scoring opportunities before Liverpool finally took the lead. Um, give it up to Mignolet, I guess. Oh. Sure, he's back. He's still there. Uh, <laughs> you know, he came up with a big save. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they, they, as I heard him say on Talk Sport, you know, you when you stop caring about the League Cup is when you get knocked out. You know, everyone's yes. happy to be knocked out of the League Cup, but as you're playing, you're like, shit, come on, try to win. But, uh, you know, for Liverpool, for Klopp, with no Europe, you might as well go for the go for the domestic cups as hard as you can. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. you're not playing Europe. And also for Klopp, he's used these to get those young players really good experience. Wes has apparently left the building for a moment. So uh, why don't we take this time to take our commercial break? I think that's a fantastic idea. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. All right, and thanks once again to NGSC Sports and I'm Next USA for presenting to you the Foreign Affair Podcast. Edward Green and Wes Bradshaw back with you here. That was a uh, interesting little transition we had out of the League Cup, but again, uh, those semifinal and those are two leg ties for the semifinals. First legs will be played again the week of January 9th of the new year. One more time, it's Manchester United hosting Hull in the first round, and then Southampton hosting Liverpool in leg one as well. So now we head into news and notes, and we we start with a story that I you know we 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 had our terrible story to open, and again you know, the Brazilian plane crash. You know now we're doing a story because we made some uh, comparisons in that one. We, we now have a comparison. I think if, if you are in America listening to this, uh, the name Jerry Sandusky uh, might come to mind. Um, there have been football association. Uh, they are now investing allegations of sexual abuse in English football. Um, and the NSPCC hotline over the weekend had more than 100 calls. And this is according to uh, an article on the BBC.com. Uh, the Football Association said it was working closely with police, adding it must ensure we do not do anything to interfere with or jeopardize the criminal process. The internal review will look at what information the FA was aware of at relevant times, which clubs were aware, and what action was or should have been taken. Uh, Ex-crew player Andy Woodward, 
who's 43 years old now, went public earlier this month about his abuse by former crew coach and youth football scout Barry Bennell, who was later convicted of sex offenses against children. Crew has begun their own independent review into the allegations. Um, there's been others. Um, Gordon Taylor with the Professional Football Association uh, said that at least six or seven clubs, including Crew, Manchester City, Blackpool, Leeds, Stoke, and Newcastle, were connected with, quote, particular individuals. Uh, there was also, I believe, a report in the Telegram this past week that Chelsea, uh, someone had come forward that one of Chelsea's uh, former uh, player scouts, whose name escapes me at the moment, but he was very famous in the in the 70s and has been very, very uh, a big part of Chelsea's rise in that period. Um, he's been linked to this as well as more people have come forward. Um, as, as one a former trainee footballer, Ian Ackley, who appeared as a witness in Barry Bennell's child abuse trial in 1998, at which he was convicted, told BBC Radio 5's Live Sports Week, uh, he first met Bennell when he was 10 years old, and he was abused for three and a half to four years. Um, Karen Bradley, the Secretary of State for Culture, Media, and Sport, has said victims of sexual abuse in football must come forward. Come and give your story. You will be listened to. You will be believed. Um, the only way that we can find out what happened is by getting the evidence, letting the police do investigations appropriate, and making sure we understand what went wrong. Um, this is something we've been hearing about for, for a couple months now as, as rumblings have, have grown and grown and grown. Daniel Taylor, uh, who, who is a big football writer in Europe, has done a lot of work on pieces like this. And, and this, Wes, this is... This is one of those seedy, disgusting parts of of the world of football and how it seems like older men have been exploiting their power over young men, boys even, who are trying to come up the ranks in professional football with these clubs and, and have been abusing them. And this is, the, the more you hear, the more just... <clears throat> revolting it is even as more stuff does need to come out so we know exactly what happened it's it's just sickening to read a lot of these things and you know like uh like you mentioned earlier you know we we lived through the whole jerry sandusky deal and mm-hmm. you know to us here in, in the united states you know sandusky if you were a big college football fan which i was and you used to be i know um you knew who i jerry was at this sandusky time period yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you knew who Jerry Sandusky was. Mm-hmm. You, you definitely knew who Joe Paterno was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was one that, you know, because Joe Paterno especially was involved, that shocked this nation. I mean, to its core, you know, when Absolutely. you're sitting there. I, I mean, I, I just, I don't believe that 99% of America, myself included, I, I doubt this had ever even crossed their mind that this would happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I grew up playing sports. You know, I played football. I was in the locker room. I had coaches. I mean, nothing like this ever remotely <laughs> was thought mm-hmm. about. And then suddenly to hear that happen and then hear the details and hear how many were coming forward, I mean, it just it shocked you to the core. And now to hear about it happening in, in, in England, in, in the footy, <clears throat> sadly, the... You know, cynic in me now sits there and says, "Well, I'm sure this happens. I'm sure this happens in every sport." Yeah. And I, I hate, I hate that I even think that. But I mean, just statistically, I, I mean, just statistically, I just believe it has to almost. Mm-hmm. You know, there are 
pardon my French, there were just some fucking sickos out there. Yeah. There are people who, for some reason, I can't figure it out for anything in my life. They get their jollies off on messing with, with underage boys. I mean, it's completely, unbelievably disgusting and horrible. And this has nothing to do with, you know, homosexual, straight, transgender. That has nothing to do with that. Taking advantage of children is just the most disgusting thing that you can do, if you ask me. And, you know, this is a... I mean, this is a it's a black eye on the sport, mm-hmm. even though it's it's maybe a small number of people who were involved in doing it. It's a black eye on the sport. Now, what difference is, you know, at Penn State, it was as far as anyone knows, it was just Jerry Sandusky. Right. Now there were people involved in covering it up, but as far as performing the acts, it was Sandusky. Here. It, this is a little more wide-reaching because it's more than just, you know, one coach who's been accused of this. You know, they're getting, you know, I believe you said over 100. I just saw something that said uh, that that hotline has gotten over 800 calls in the last mm-hmm. week. Um, and, and the problem is, I mean, this is, you know, this, this is something that nowadays in this media age, this can't be swept under the rug. No, not at all. I mean, what happened at Penn State and what's happened, you know, around the world and, you know, the stories that have come out of, you know, some of the Middle Eastern countries uh, that you've heard uh, from from military people about the abuse of underage children, um, especially in the war zones. I mean, this is this is front page news now. This isn't, oh, you know, just, uh, hey, man, we'll... We'll give you a settlement, you know, go away. That ain't how it works anymore. So, uh, you know, the old adage, this is only going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, this is, it's just gross. And, you know, you you hear one of them, the one I had mentioned earlier, Ian Ackley, you know, and, and it's scary because a lot of, a lot of what he says here, and I'll, I'll read some in just a sec, it's, it's a lot of, you know, you know, when we hear when we talk in America, you know, this this kind of became a big thing during you know the whole election cycle. Is you know when when women are raped, you know wh- why don't they come forward at the moment? Well, this is you know, this is a pretty strong equivalent to that. In fact, it kind of is rape. Um, but somebody yeah, saying, the, the, the yeah, basic core of it, it is. Yeah, and Ian Ackley saying here, I didn't tell anyone. It was a feeling of being frozen, isolated, and not knowing what to do. Who would believe me? I was a young boy still in a time when you were brought up in an environment where children were seen and not heard and to have respect for their elders. This guy was seen as a very significant person of influence, and people in that circle respected him. I knew it was wrong, and while the abuse happened, it switched a part of me off just to get through it. Uh, Once it finished, it was a case of pretending it did not happen. It was almost like a double life. I was trapped in that dream of wanting to make it as a footballer. It was habitual. Every weekend, school holiday, football trips. I mean, this this is a living hell for some of these players. And if they are to be believed, and, and at the moment, I see no reason not to believe uh, a lot of these claims, including this one. And, and if so, this is, I, I think you said it, Wes, this is, this is a black eye on the sport that this was... This was allowed to happen for this long. Now, and at the moment, you know, there, there's been some talk, especially with the crew case, I believe, that they, they may have known some things um, mm-hmm. going on. It seems like a lot of 
a lot of the clubs, though, were maybe not aware. And it was maybe more of these kind of situations like with Ian Ackley, um, where, where there wasn't really any knowledge, where, where this was happening and nobody really knew. Um, but but if there are organizations that did know, that is that is unspeakably awful. And, I mean, you're talking Penn State at that point. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, it, it is, it, and, and then now... You hate to turn it, but as, as we are in, in the business of football here, you have to start thinking as well, what happens to these clubs? Do you start talking point deductions? Do you start talking about dropping them entirely? You know, what, what if if something if 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 people at crew and I, I believe it was crew, and I hope I'm getting this right. I believe it was crew. If they knew if they knew if they knew this was going on and did nothing, then then surely I mean, I mean, is is expulsion from the football league too strong at that point? I mean, maybe I'm just having a very visceral reaction to this right now, and that may be actually too harsh. But I, I think that should at least be on the table. Well, and that's that's the thing because this is going to be different than our Penn State that we went through mm-hmm. because this is professional. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't this isn't college where you know. I mean, truth be told, I, I still to this day think that the NCAA overstepped their boundaries mm-hmm. with what they did to Penn State because I mm-hmm. didn't really think that. I mean, I know it sounds weird that Penn State didn't break any NCAA rules. Right. You know, they they committed criminal acts, but no mm-hmm. NCAA rules. This is different because, you know, yeah, these teams didn't. You know, in, in in theory, they didn't break any league rules, but with it being professional, and I, I just I just think with it being a professional league, mm-hmm. that this is treated differently because you know you're hurting. Uh, if if for for lack of a better term, they're hurting the uh, fi- they could be hurting the fi- financial sustainability of said league. Mm-hmm. Because cool. you know this could change so many things for them. Um, I don't. I don't know. I, I really don't know where you go on this because if, if you look at it, you kind of get back into our Penn State argument, mm-hmm. which was, well, you know, I mean, did the people who were there now, right, the people who run the clubs, I mean, did they have anything to do with this, or was this a completely different regime where literally no mm-hmm. one is left over, but yet you're going to turn around and punish? You know these people now who are playing so that's where that's where it gets really tricky you know and that's where this could end up in the courts um going forward if the football league decides to try to take action um i just i just don't know if this should just be treated more as a a, a as crime mm-hmm. than any sort of a football league matter and and you know one thing, and we do we love to give the NCAA a lot of grief, and and deservedly so, I think. Um, and, and and I think you are right, and and what the NCAA did was was probably out of bounds a little bit for for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Here is the thing, though. This is this is precedent that they're mm-hmm. setting. There is there is no there was no in the Jerry Sandusky case. There was no precedent 
for what the NCAA could or should do in that sort of situation against a school. In this situation, as far as I know, there is no precedent of stuff like this happening in English football. So if you're the FA, what, there, there are no guidelines for this. Um, I mean, and as you said, it may be, maybe you do find the team, maybe you dock them points, uh, maybe you don't disbar, disbar them completely from the football league, but maybe you there is something you do because it is you are you are a professional organization and you did not act in the stead of, of a professional organization, sort of like a, a sort of morality clause kind of thing that 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 they did. So I. I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see how this keeps playing out, especially for clubs that that may have known that these sorts of things were going on, or or that at least they were hiring people who had this stigma already attached to them. Um, well, and two, let's be real. I mean, who are we really the most worried about here? I'm not really worried about crew. When mm-hmm. you drop the name Manchester City and Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Bam, those ears just perked up big time for a lot of people. That's what's going to be really interesting to see. You know, yeah. crew is crew. I mean, unless you're a big-time English, you know, fan of, God, I almost want to say, I don't even know if crew's in, you know, the association at the moment. Um, okay. You know, I mean, obviously the two big fish here are Chelsea and Man City. League two, by the way. League two. Okay, so they're in league two. So they're in the, mm-hmm. they're in the fourth division of mm-hmm. – you know English football, so but but once again, who's moving the needle, Crew or Man City? Right, no, you're right. So, you are. Right. That's really going to be where it's going to be interesting to see, um, because you know, especially with City and Chelsea being the brands that they are, just the worldwide brands. I mean, you know, we've seen from United, you know, especially like a United, where you know um, the name makes a lot of difference. In the way that you do things, you know the name on the front of the jersey, which is Chevrolet, which is uh, you know, Hitachi or Yama Yamamoto tires or whoever mm-hmm. you know whoever's on your shirt. That can make a lot of difference in what goes down sometimes because there is so 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 much money involved in it. It really is, and that's it, it's going to be interesting to see if I don't know if if you hate to say it, but are the top clubs going to be treated differently? From from a team like Crew, who is currently in the mid table in League Two, is is there a difference there? We'll we'll, we'll have to see because the FA is is currently setting out into uncharted territory for them. And I wouldn't I wouldn't expect this to be done oh, anytime God. soon at all. I mean, this yeah. is something we might bring up again in a year. <laughs> yeah, so we will be we'll be following this though. Yeah, ter- terrible terrible story though, um, coming out of England. Um, now we'll bring it back into uh, back to the Premier League. I talked about this a little bit when we were talking Swansea Palace. Uh, Crystal Palace chairman Steve Parrish uh, has spoken with Alan Pardew uh, as they have discussed uh, the manager uh, getting a clear plan to uh, extricate the team from their current six-game losing streak. And as you said, they are just they are tied on points. In 17th in the relegation zone with Hull, only their goal differential is currently keeping them out right now. Um, you know, as you said, Wes Pardue, a Palace legend, may be getting a few more matches than, than others might have. Uh, Palace have given up 17 goals in their last five matches. Uh, they've given up 13 goals from set pieces this season. Um, we, we've already seen names thrown out like uh, Wee. 
Roy Hodgson, of course. Um, a man we didn't think would be coming back, most certainly not even this year, to, to coaching football in England. That'd be Sam Allardyce. <laughs> And uh, even Roberto Mancini, now that uh, the, the curse of the all-new sports show struck him uh, earlier this summer. Um, uh, Wes, I, I don't know. I, I don't really see a way, unless a winning streak happens, that Pardue keeps his job by, like, Christmas. Uh, if not a winning streak, at least a, a result streak. You know, if he could get a win, a draw, a draw, a win. Yeah, okay. Maybe that would help him, but um, uh, I just, I, I've, got a fe- I've got a feeling for him that if they drop into that relegation zone, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've, got to pull, you've got to pull the trigger at that point. You know, you've got, and at that point, my God, you're, you are so looking at Fat Sam, it's not funny. Would would Sam be a good fit with this Palace team? Well, Sam knows how to, you know, as we've always said, Sam knows how to avoid relegation. That's um, true. You know, it might be a little more attacking firepower than he's used to having. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Sam, Sam would do okay with this group. I mean, there's no reason to think he wouldn't. He'd come in, he'd sort them out. And, you know, the thing is, I mean, this is a Palace who, in the past, I mean, they've, they've had some quality defensive squads mm-hmm. you know I just you know they, they started throwing some money around and they threw a lot of it toward attackers and that's yeah. fine but you gotta be able to stop somebody I think Sam will do an okay job that's just you know I, personally if I'm looking between Sam and Boy, I'm personally looking at Big Sam myself I think you're right um, interesting interesting to note though here you're talking about that Getting any of this streak of results. Right now, this is this is Palace's upcoming fixture list. Home for Southampton, as we mentioned. Then away to away to Hull, maybe. Then home to United, home to Chelsea, away to Watford, away to Arsenal on New Year's. Oh, oh I think that may have been what the meeting was about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I mean, that's a brutal stretch coming up. Um, well, I'd say they, they need to start, number one, they they need a result at home against Southampton. Mm-hmm. They need to go and beat Hull. I, I, I think those those two, I think maybe that might, that might spell it out. Because there's no way you can come out of that with less than three points. Right. And they probably want at least four. Yeah, that's. I, th- I actually think that's what the bar would be for me. I, th- I think it's four points, and because you also have to think about what's coming up behind you. I think, yeah. especially especially considering your level on points with Hull right now, yeah. I, I I think a win, a, a win against Hull is absolutely mandatory. And I'd say, yeah. considering you're playing Southampton at home, and they did just play in the League Cup this week, I, I kind of think at least a draw. Is, is needed against them as well. Yeah. I mean, this is a crucial, crucial, crucial couple of weeks coming up for uh, Paul Dube. Oh, Paul Dube dancing at the, the discotheque for Alan Paul Dube. Um, last story, and we've had so much crappy, shitty, shitty, shitty stories to tell you about this week. Um, let's, let's, let's all laugh at somebody, eh? Um, this, this one, man. 
And because and, and believe me, Wes and myself, when we watched the Champions League final this year, we we were very much pulling for Atletico Madrid. We we you you even befriended a, a huge Atletico Madrid supporter. I did, I did. And the Buffalo Wild Wings of Morehead City, North Carolina. And uh, that Madrid fan though was not Jose Antonio Campon, I believe. <laughs> No. Um, because that man is is attempting to sue UEFA for <laughs> 1,660 euros. And I'm going to tell you how it was calculated. Um, he is uh, seeking to be refunded the cost of his match ticket, which was 160 euros, as well as a further 1,500 euros for what is being described as moral damage. What is this moral damage, you ask? Well, that is because, one, Sergio Ramos' goal, which was the opener of the match... When he was, you know, probably offside, um, he, he said, you know, that shouldn't have stood. And and because it was allowed to stand, I'm suing. That's this is a very American thing to do, by the way. Very, very American. The most American of all things. Um, and I like I like with the, his uh, I, I assume it's the, the article describes as the solicitor for the claimant, Carlos Mendez. I believe we would call that here a lawyer um, as is goes in saying, quote, if you go to the cinema and there is no sound, they give you back your money. This is the same thing. There is a regulation and it has been breached. It is negligence and in your job. And when you are negligent, you pay the consequences. That is why we address the claim to the employer, UEFA, and his employee, Klattenberg, as responsible. Klattenberg. Um, Wes, how many seconds does it take for this court case to be thrown out? 10? 15? Uh, UEFA should hope it's soon because what this guy's suing for is probably less than what they pay their lawyers per hour. That is true. Um, I mean, <laughs> this is this is fantastic. I mean, I'm I'm so happy this is happening just because you know, in this week of all weeks, and we just we needed we needed that comic relief. Yeah. I mean, by this guy's logic, you know, I should sue Buffalo Wild Wings. For the twenty-four dollars I paid that day in uh, in wings and beer because I was unhappy with the result, and and therefore Buffalo Wild Wings should give me my money back. So you know, instead of doing that, I think I think we can come to a settlement here. Maybe if they'll allow us to continue taping the all-new sports show and pay for it at one of their establishments. Not in Morehead City. <laughs> yeah, not in Morehead City. No, 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 no. Maybe. Either, either, either somewhere in the Wilson or Triangle area. Um, we are willing to drop our lawsuit. Yes, absolutely. We are willing to drop our lawsuit. We should, we should contact them tomorrow about that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just, I don't see where there are any legs to stand on this. I mean, and the problem is, you know, you, t- we were talking earlier. The word precedent kept coming up. Yeah. If there is any judge in the world that will rule this, you are you are effectively killing sports. Yeah. Because I mean, every single you know, just about every match, you know, in, in baseball, I can say, oh, he had a bad strike zone. You mm-hmm. know, in football, these refs are blind. That wasn't holding. You know, in, in basketball. You know, LeBron travels like every single time he fast breaks. What the hell? <laughs> I mean, no, 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 go away, go away, sir. You are what is wrong with. I used to, I, I used to say you're what's wrong with America. You're what's wrong with the world. Oh. 
Wes, you are so right. And as 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 we advance, let us let us head to what is right in the world, and that is as we move to the Watch Four. Tell us what have you been watching that is right in the world in the week that was or the week that will be. Um, God, it seems like there's something big coming up, and Lord knows I cannot remember what it is. TV wise, um, The Walking Dead is quickly approaching their mid-season break, and every, every week it seems like I don't know. I'm getting a little perturbed right now with The Walking Dead um, because all they're doing is just introducing new characters. Hooray. I mean, and I, what made this show great was that core group of characters that we all cared about, and then you killed them all. Well, they didn't kill them all. It's just they've only been in like one or two episodes this season because every damn episode is, oh, well, this is where this person is, and these are the 20 new people that they met. Awesome. I don't care about the 20 new people that they met. I just want to know, what, look, I just want to know what the hell's happening to Rick and Daryl, okay? That's all that matters. Ain't that what this damn show's about? Uh, that's it. I mean, it wasn't a bad episode. Uh, we caught up with Tara, who... I like Tara's character fine. That said, Tara's kind of a... Tara's kind of like the lower mid-card of the show. Mm. Let's put it that way. She She's kind of like a... She, she's kind of like a West Brom. Oh, nice. You know, she's, she's not a huge player in it, but you know, and then she gets an entire episode devoted to her and her travels. Okay, I, I, you know, I'm still willing to hang out here because, you know, my family and I, we just got into it really in the last six months. And, you know, we, we've still we've still got the uh, early glow that most of the hardcore old-timers have lost. Nice. And we still have that early glow about us. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I'm just, I'm ready for Walking Dead to really pick it up and let me, let me see what the hell's happening. Let me see what's happening this season, Ed. We'll see what's happening. What's happening? Dwayne from What's Happening is what's happening. Hey, Dwayne! What's happening? Um, for my watch four, I, I don't really have anything new to discuss. Um, so I will I will say that I am quickly the girlfriend and I, one named technical director Jackie, uh, are quickly careening towards the end of Gilmore Girls. Um, as we as we are going through what I am I am not affectionately referring to as season six and sevens, aka the gas leak seasons, um, where where that gas leak hits and basically everybody turns stupid, and and the fact that the girlfriend agrees with me is is very reassuring to me. So very very good to hear that. So we have we have currently nine episodes left of that show, and then we got to do the Netflix revival, and then and then we can say au revoir. To Stars Hollow and all its weird denizens. Also, did read an article this a uh, couple days ago on my my sojourn to parts unknown. Um, apparently, Gilmore Girls is basically Twin Peaks, and then they were talking they about the. Uh, the you talking about the uh, the restaurant? The what? Well, I call it the restaurant. Kind of like no, no, the, the show. No, the show. <laughs> The Kyle McLaughlin like, show. I was like, damn, man, I didn't know we had this many Hooters in this show that I'm not watching. Hooters, Hooters, Hooters. Oh, no, that was... There. Anyway. Time. Speaking of Hooters... Oh! Sure. Yeah, that's sexist in the wrestling world. No, I, I know. I apologize. Because especially, uh, you know, we as we got into our waifu wars this weekend, 
I do have I do have a new front runner for if Bailey can't be my waifu. Who's that? And that is Ember Moon. Ember Moon. I saw I saw her on the Up Up Down Down uh, show with Austin Creed, which you should definitely watch when you're not listening to this podcast on YouTube. Um, oh, fantastic! Love her, love her to death. Glad I'm glad you do. All right, Ed, let's get so raw. My waifu, of course, the lovely Alexa Bliss. Mm-hmm. We'll get to a little later because she kicked off SmackDown this week. But we're going to start with Raw because, you know, eh, why not? We go chronologically. Um, yeah, we go chronologically. Um, Raw coming to us this week from Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, I was a little wow. disappointed I, I, not to be able to go, but it just didn't didn't work into my... Uh, I passed my, right by it. My thing. Uh, Monday night, were you in Charlotte? Were you going through Charlotte? I drove by Charlotte Monday. <gasps> Did you see the nature boy? Woo! Woo, no. Did you see Stone Cold Steve? Nah, never mind. I gotta let you listen to something of this rise. <laughs> right. The boys are back in. The boys are back. I'll leave it at that. Um, oh, oh, God. Um, decent show. Uh, we're, we're starting to uh, build to uh, Roadblock into the line, which is going to be the December pay-per-view for the Raw brand. Um, we, we do have a men's championship match set, as uh, we, had a, uh, we had a qualification match, I guess you could say, where uh, Roman Reigns, God almighty, it's happening. Roman Reigns took on Kevin Owens in a qualification match. If Reigns could beat Owens, he would get the title shot at Roadblock. Son of a bitch, he did. So, you know, they've held off on putting Roman in the title picture because everyone booed him. Nothing's changed with the booing, but they're like, ah, fuck it. We just want to put the title on, I think. So, we'll see what happens with that. A few things just to look at. Uh, They they had a good uh, Raw Tag Team Championship match this week. Uh, Your aforementioned New Day. I uh, defeated my beloved and somewhat aforementioned uh, Bullet Club. Mm. Uh, Mike Gallows and Anderson. By the way, that's what you'll be hearing on Friday. Fantastic. To you. I know you're excited. Um, yeah. Over the last few weeks, I finally heard someone say it out loud on a podcast. I've been sitting here saying, wow, is, is the New Day turning heel again? Because oh. they've been winning by, you know, less than honest circumstances. It's I mean, it hasn't been like full. It hasn't been like full on like villainy or anything. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, they've done enough. Where I'm sitting here like, wait a damn minute, you're the good guys, and you just drilled a guy with a with a trombone. Hold on, <laughs> this is what hey. you used to do when you were bad guys. So I'm wondering if we're getting a move going back that way. Um, that's uh, that's something interesting to me to see how that goes forward. Which I'm going to tell you, as a as someone who likes the New Day, I'm not a dour New Day fan. I like New Day. They've gotten a little stale in this good guy role. I mean, they're still funny, but you know, it's it's kind of like they've just lost like their their edge in their funniness. You know, it's you're a lot funnier like when you're talking shit to somebody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's just a hell of a lot funnier than you know trying to suck up to everybody and be funny. Um, so that's something to see going forward. Uh, I guess the early highlight of the night, uh, leading into that Jarek or into that uh, Roman Reigns Kevin Owens match, was uh, the perceived 
now have we had the disillusion, the dissolution, I'll say, of the best friends in the world in Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens. Oh, no. As, um, you know, they kind of had it out with each other. No, no, no fist thrown, but Chris Jericho's uh, feelings were definitely hurt, I'll put it that way. And, you know, he is a very proud Canadian, and, uh, you know, those feelings can get hurt pretty quickly. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, match of the night, though, Ed, um, at about the 9.30 mark of the night, uh, we had a scheduled women's title match between Charlotte and Sasha Banks. Uh, things quickly spilled to the outside. No one got back in the ring, and they were both counted out of the match. Oh. Well, Mick Foley came out, and uh, he said he didn't like that, that uh, you know these people came wanting to see Charlotte and Sasha Banks. They were going to get Charlotte and Sasha Banks. So it was reset for the main event, and um, we got a falls count anywhere, no disqualification, Sasha Banks-Charlotte match, and it completely lived up to the billing, a fantastic match between these two, and Ed, it ends with the belt flipping back to Sasha Banks, who for the third time has become the WWE Raw Women's Champion. Is that good? Should it be flipping that hard? Well, here's my thing. I, no, no is my initial answer on that. I'm, I don't like seeing the belt flip like that. And almost because, and let's see what happens because they've become very predictable with this. Here's what's happening. Sasha, when they have a title match on Raw, Sasha's winning the title. When they have a title mm-hmm. match on a pay-per-view, Charlotte wins it back. They have made a point of saying that Charlotte has never lost on a pay-per-view. Well, we've got a pay-per-view coming up in a few weeks. I'm quite sure we're going to get this match rematch at that pay-per-view. If you put it right back on Charlotte, people are just going to shake their heads and walk away, I think. Mm. And that's it. Here's my deal. I think it should be on Charlotte. I think Charlotte is, she's amazing. I mean, she can work. She's got the look. She can talk. I think Sasha Banks is much better chasing the title. You know, Sasha Banks, with her size, with her look, you know, she should be the perennial, oh, my God, you know, if if such and such wouldn't happen, she would be the champ. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she should be more like Dusty Rhodes was to Ric Flair back in the 80s, where Dusty Rhodes basically held the title for maybe like 100 days, <laughs> but was so well known because he was so, he, every time, he came so damn close to beating Ric Flair every time. For somebody, for him, for something to happen, for something to happen, and that kept it so hot. Right now, with them just trading the title back and forth, you know, I mean, there's a theory out there that WWE is having Charlotte lose and win the title. It seems like every month because mm-hmm. they want to play up, you know, the fact that Ric Flair is the all-time leader with world titles, 16-time your world heavyweight champion. Well, hey, maybe we should take his daughter and give her a shit ton of title reigns too. Well, see, here's the difference. When Ric Flair was winning the title all those years, Ric Flair was then holding the title for a long time. It wasn't like Ric wins it one day and loses it three days later and then wins it back two weeks later and then loses it a month later. You know, Ric Flair was holding the title. <coughs> and it's almost like WWE is like trying to create, and they've been, you know, I've, we've called them out on this before. It's like they're trying to create history with this mm-hmm. women's division. When all they really need to do is just get the hell out of the way and let these ultra-talented women that they have just let them put on a show. 
everything doesn't, I mean, I understand there's this whole, you know, women's equality, gender equality movement thing, which, I mean, in, in everyday life, I don't have an issue with, don't get me wrong. But it's like WWE is like trying to create this movement that was happening naturally until WWE got their hands on it, which is kind of what happens. Things happen naturally, and then WWE's like, oh, well, let's improve on this. No, no, we don't need you to improve on it. Um, so that's kind of where we are at this moment. So I'm going to be interested to see what happens at Roadblock because naturally you're, you you get your rematch there and you've already said it that Charlotte never loses at the pay-per-view. So if you turn right around and flip it back, I mean, what the hell? <coughs> as, as, as Timmy on South Park would say, or Jimmy on South Park would say, <laughs> come on. Yes. I mean, come on. But it was a great match. Those two still put on great matches. Their chemistry together is unbelievable. Um, you know what? I mean, the crowd's still eating up eating up Sasha. They they boo the hell out of Charlotte. Um, end of the night, that was the main event match. Uh, as as Sasha is celebrating in the ring, um, all of a sudden, um, 2001 Space Odyssey hits. Uh, the crowd absolutely erupts because here comes the Nature Boy Ric Flair. You don't really know what he's going to do. The last time we saw Ric Flair and Charlotte together, Charlotte kicked him to the curb and said she didn't need him anymore. And he comes down and raises the hand of Sasha Banks, kind of passing the torch to Sasha. So that, that was a cool moment. It was predictable, but it was a cool moment. Um, hmm. And, hey, I mean, who, who's ever disappointed to see Ric Flair? I mean, other than maybe his three ex-wives, but still. Anyway, uh, that that's your raw wrap up. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with Raw. They're they're more in the developing phase for their next pay per view. SmackDown though has hurtled straight into tables, ladders, and chairs. TLC. TLC. Coming up. Uh, coming up this week. <clears throat> uh, this weekend. So another reason I don't need to go to Carry On uh, Sunday. Anyway. Um, big women's title match coming up there. Uh, the show kicked off with Becky Lynch and my waifu, Alexa Bliss, uh, in the ring. And I'm going to tell you, man, Alexa Bliss, who, when she came into the, into SmackDown, when she was drafted on, it was kind of like an afterthought to a lot of people. She has been fantastic. You know, she's she's a small girl. She's a former, you know, college cheerleader, um, was like a big-time competitive cheerleader coming up. She's small. She's blonde. I think she's gorgeous. Um, <clears throat> but she is very physical. She's great on the microphone, and she just has damn attitude for days. And right now, I mean, she's moving the meter. She's got People are bought into her because she's such, like, this, like, little stuck-up bitch. And, and then you've got Becky Lynch, who is, you know, the the epitome of, you know, white meat baby face. You know, oh, I'm just so happy to be here. Oh, I love you fans so much. It, it's like, <clears throat> we've said it before, SmackDown kind of has the, uh, they've kind of got the monopoly on, you know, we do old school wrestling the way that people remember it and the way they just liked it coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a good guy, you get a bad guy. 
and they go head to head. And you're really pulling. The thing about SmackDown is you have people really pulling for the baby faces. Right. Where you know me, Ed, I mean, I pull for the bad guys. But you've got more the, the normal fan who's really pulling for the baby faces because that's what they're supposed to do. And, and this, this rivalry, this has been a good rivalry going on for about two, three months now between Alexa and Becky. I mean, it's neither one of them are Charlotte or Sasha, but it's just been really good. And they've been really physical, which I like. You know, you know I like my physicality. They've been really physical with each other, um, and they were this Monday night. I thought Alexa had gotten her uh, nose busted open. Um, luckily, I believe she didn't. But uh, <clears throat> you know, that's that's just been that's just been really good going forward. So you know, definitely something to keep our eyes on there. Um, that that's going to be a good championship match, I believe, this week. They've had they had a good match in um, in uh, where was it? Was it? I think I believe it was Ireland a couple weeks ago. They had a really good match. Um, don't care. Uh, American Alpha and the Wyatts. Oh. Now that's one that I, that I think a lot of people got intrigued by last week. American Alpha won a, uh, won a, uh, I think, not Tornado, I can't remember what the hell they called it, but whatever. It was one of their weird matches where, you know, they had the tag teams coming out one at a time and American Alpha wins. It looks like they're going to get a championship title shot at the pay-per-view. And then the Wyatts, and I'm talking Bray and Randy Orton, come mm. over the uh, come over the big screen, and um, they're like, "Well, you're going through us first. Yeah, that's the thing. Now Bray and Randy Orton have been together for about a month, but we haven't really seen them totally like, "Hey, we have a you know, here's our goal. We're we're here. We want to win these titles now." Well, you got American Alpha, who's this really hot, young, upcoming team who are really super talented. They're super over. You know, people love people love American Alpha. And then you've got the Wyatts, and that was just kind of like, oh, snap, this is a really good match. And they had a really good match. It was the main event of the night. The winner was going to get the title shot at TLC. Um, the Wyatts win with some shenanigans, which they're supposed to, because once again, they're the bad guys. Uh, they go over on the white meat baby faces, and the other night the Wyatts beat American Alpha. But if this is the setup for a future rivalry, man, it's going to be damn good between those two teams. Uh, Randy Orton seems to be kind of reinvigorated, uh, teaming him up with Bray Wyatt. I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing from those guys. So that's definitely something to keep your eye on. Um, okay, kind of the 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 last big one. Uh, going on for the night and this of course leads right into TLC is the world title picture in which uh, Dean Ambrose and uh, AJ Styles are going to be fighting each other in a ladder match coming up um, at TLC and the kind of the wild card around this whole thing is plucky James Ellsworth of course of course is my number two waifu by the way because you know why wouldn't he be um, <clears throat> that doesn't make any sense, but okay. Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all, but I don't care. Because I don't really know what waifu means yet. But if he's not a female, he can't be waifu. Okay, well... Yeah, okay. If you say so. Would you marry him? Uh, he is very interesting. <laughs> then you would... Then he's not a waifu. Okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's the name of the Too many so waifus not. will ruin your waifu. He's not a waifu. That's the name of this episode, I think. Um, 
But uh, Styles ends up uh, attacking both Ellsworth and Dean Ambrose in the ring and unleashes holy hell on them. Uh, beats them both with a chair. Uh, Styles clash to Ellsworth um, off of the off of the steps onto the floor. Uh, James Ellsworth is taken off in an ambulance. We didn't see him anymore that night. Um, Ambrose severely beaten down. So then our very last segment of the night, as I said, our main event was uh, the, the tag team match. You saw the tag team champions, uh, Rhino and Heath Slater. <clears throat> you saw them in the back uh, with their belts watching the match on TV. And all of a sudden, in comes AJ Styles. And AJ's, you know, he's still pissed off from earlier. He's, he's talking junk. He's talking shit. He's getting in both their faces. All of a sudden, Dean Ambrose busts into the room. And uh, basically, SmackDown ends with those two beating the holy hell out of each other. And uh, at the end of the show, Dean Ambrose left AJ Styles laying. Ooh. And um, I'm going to tell you, you know, Ambrose has kind of been a, a co- I wouldn't say controversial, but he has among the fans with how his character has worked. Because See, here's the thing. Dean Ambrose is kind of naturally funny. Mm-hmm. Well, when WWE sees naturally funny, <laughs> New Day, they want to push everything into, like, straight comedy sometimes. Yeah. And Ambrose, natural Ambrose, you know, a little out there, a little funny, that's good. Because then when Ambrose gets pissed, he goes straight up violent and, like, <laughs> beats the shit out of people. Psycho. But what WWE's been doing is they just want to make him, like, oh, he's this lunatic, you know. Instead of beating the hell out of you, oh, he's going to... He's gonna spur- he's gonna squirt you with ketchup bottles in your face. It's like what? There was actually a segment I believe we've covered it uh, when it happened, where he rolled down a hot dog cart and squirted uh, ketchup and mustard on Randy Orton, and then beat him oh. with hot dogs. So anyway, WWE can get pretty damn bad sometimes with this shit. Yeah. But at the end, you know, I, I really like what I saw because if you want to tell the story that you know AJ Styles beat up his buddy beat up, you know, the little underdog James Ellsworth and sent him to the hospital and put him in a neck brace. If you want to tell that story, and now I'm Dean Ambrose and, hey, no more fun and games. I'm just here to fight and kick your ass. That's going to be a hell of a match come Sunday night. And I'm hoping that's the Ambrose we get. I think at the end of the night, I think AJ Styles is going to retain his title because I think they're going to move him into, uh, I think we might get an Undertaker AJ Styles. Uh, feud, which would be, mm-hmm. which would just be like meta, but um, I, I'm, I'm expecting a good pay per view. You know, it's a it's the better of the two shows. They don't fuck around so much. Mm-hmm. I think you're gonna get really good matches that night, and uh, I, I think we're gonna have a good pay per view TLC coming up this Sunday night. So that's your go home edition of So Raw for this week. Everybody go home. The show is done. Um, that is, oh, I'll, I'll explain waifus to you later. Um, just, oh yeah, Friday. Um, so that has been the uh, Foreign Affair podcast for today. We have had some traumatic stories, and in fact, there's actually one we still haven't mentioned. Yes, to end the podcast on a down note. Um, of course, all you know. There's also the Ohio State. Uh, situation that happened on Monday, where thankfully nobody but the the su- uh, suspected uh, assailant, yes, uh, is he was the only person to lose his life in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the people were were injured. They they have pulled through, 
and and no one else lost their life so the i guess in in a week of tragedy and and terrible terrible people um at least no one that deserved to lose their life um i should say no one that didn't deserve to lose their life in that situation did lose their life um so at least that is the silver lining of what happened at ohio state this and and just uh, to throw my little level of cynicism in that real quick i would like to obviously thank the mainstream media for uh you know, quickly, quickly reporting that it was an active gunman while yeah. having absolutely no evidence that it was an active gunman and there never actually being a gun involved. Yeah. So, you know, good old mainstream media. Good job, guys. Keep, keep pushing that narrative. In, in, fa- in some fairness... Uh, I, I can say that as, as a story like that would develop, I'm, I'm sure the first reaction, maybe even the first reaction from the school was that there was actually a shooter on campus. Um, I don't know that I totally take that out on the MSM, but um, it's, it's everybody who rushed. Everybody rushed on this one. There was a big rush to, you know, there was a big rush to put over that agenda. I will also say this. if. If I have a kid on the campus of Ohio State, mm-hmm. I would rather them report there's a gunman. Well, and here's the reason. Because mm-hmm. if I have a kid there, then they're going to take extra precautions. Mm-hmm. Because, not to downplay what happened, but if it's a guy with a knife, that person is a little less threatening mm-hmm. than a person with a gun. He will be easier to subdue in the long run. And he will probably do less damage as this person did, besides you know the whole driving with his car thing. Um, so I, w- I would rather, in a way, I would actually rather have them over-report so people take more cautions than you know, just saying, hey, there's a guy going stabby-stabby out there. Well, okay, I can probably make it to class. Like, no, no, just don't. <laughs> don't. Don't. Don't even try. So I, I, will, I will somewhat defend them on that. Um, but, again, good to hear that everybody pulled through there at Ohio State. So as much as we don't like you, Ohio State, even well, when you... Uh, our, our, our buddy Taquan Lewis, we mentioned yeah. earlier, he's up there. And, you know, that's that's the absolute first guy I thought of when I heard it. So, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh, he was named the linebacker of the year for the Big Twins. Uh, so. d- defensive lineman of the year. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, yes, that. Well, you didn't play football, so you don't really know all the positions, right? I don't still never played it down, um, but we will be talking football of the European kind next week on the foreign affair podcast. We will have more premier league to talk. And of course the final week of group stage play in the champions league will be, uh, will be finishing up next week. I believe that's next week. Um, yes, yes it is. So we'll be discussing that as we head into the busy part of the football calendar, as everybody looks to compact matches in England, because Christmas, why not? Uh, once we like to thank uh, one more time NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com. We never stop, as well as I'm Next USA. They can uh, be found on Twitter. We can also be found on Twitter at AFA Pod. Wes, you are at West Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook still for the moment uh, via our sister show, The All New Sports Show. You can also find us there on Instagram and YouTube. Email us, allnewsportshow at gmail.com. I want to give a shout out to our great uh, podcast providers, including uh, the iTunes Music Store, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, and much, much more. And lastly, thanks to Zencaster for uh, helping us produce our podcasts and uh, getting those ready for you. So, Wes, before we get out of here, anything else to add? 
Uh, if you're in the area, Friday night, third round high school playoffs. We have three of our local teams left, including the Capstone themselves, Rocky Mount, heading to Southern Guilford. Uh, our beloved Tarboro Vikings heading down to the beach to take on East Carteret. Mm. And North Edgecombe's playing Plymouth. They don't yes. really get a title. No. It's just, it is win. what it is. Also, win. thanks to the NCHSAA for uh, finally deigning us worthy to uh, release where the title games would be. Great. Good yeah, job, guys. Thanks for sending Rocky Mount with freaking Winston Salem, you jerks. Yeah. By the way, they we do have a conflict. You know we do have a conflict if North Edgecombe and Rocky Mount both make it, right? Yeah, but there's not that much of a conflict. <laughs> Sorry, we'll North Edgecombe. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so from McCollin Crime, Wes Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Foreign Affair Podcast. We'll catch you guys again next week. Stay safe, enjoy the football, and force a shape. And good night. Good night, Brazil. You guys deserve it tonight. Good night. Yes. Good night. Love you guys. We do. We love all of you down there. You're 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 not you're not our Euro block, but uh, you guys like us, so that that counts for something. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.